Hi guys, got another um, full, full, fullish house tonight. We've got Sophie and Ashton joining us today. Um, talking about all things disclosure and also talking about just transgender representation in film and TV as well. Um, it feels weird because I've already catched up with you guys like yesterday, but I know like for podcasts, like context, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, what have you guys been watching first of all? Because I'm always interested oh, in what people are actually watching well, lockdown. Because I watched... Oh, Neha looks excited. Go on. Yeah. Um, oh, I watched another rom-com, as you would expect <laughs> from me. Um, plus one on Netflix. It's not a Netflix original, but it is on Netflix. Um... It's really cute. It's like indie. It's got Jack Quaid in it, who looks exactly like his dad, but thankfully it's like exactly like his mum. Maya Erskine or Erskine. And yeah, it's really cute. It's about two like lifelong friends and they decide that they're going to be each other's plus ones to a whole bunch of weddings because they're at that age in their late 20s now where everyone's just getting married. Um, And it's witty and, and, and cute. And it's only like an hour and a half too, so it's a really easy watch. But if anyone's looking for something light, I recommend plus one. Nice. Okay. I am going to completely flip that around and say Mm -hmm. that I've watched some really heavy stuff this week. (laughs) Oh, gosh. So, sorry, guys. Um, Out of choice or just to talk to yourself? Out of choice, apparently. I watched um, (laughs) a documentary called Welcome to Chechnya. Um, It's on Sheffield Dockfest website. And, wow, it's about the Chechnya gay purge, like, that was going around like we heard about it a couple of years ago do you remember like the mm-hmm. camps and yeah. stuff where they yeah. had gay men yeah. there and um it's an amazing docu i it's harrowing though like it's difficult to watch at points but it's amazing like they the filmmakers i watched a q a last week too with um bertha Dockhouse, i believe and they okay. talked about the fact that they had they were like tracking themselves and they had new york offices in new york tracking where they were so that in case they got like caught filming and they literally like went with people to like rescue people like went with the activists and some of the activists have had to move leave russia because they've been compromised and it's terrifying like genuinely and they use this um they use the cgi other faces onto the faces of people and i've never seen that done before but it's amazing because it keeps their identity um hidden but it still brings the emotion of the oh is that the situation I can't remember. I don't know the name of it. Mm. I'm not going to lie. But it's... So hold on. Who do they CGI the faces onto? Of it. So the people who are escaping, who are the gay people in Russia who have been like tortured or uh, need to escape, oh. they, they CGI another face onto them. So they look kind of blurry. That's a really interesting way to do documentaries, yeah. isn't it? Well, the... Without obviously sacrificing anonymity. Yeah. Well, the director said that he tried everything. He tried like um even snapchat filters but it just looked really it undermined the message <laughs> like everything he tried like blanking out the eyes with boxes and the mouths but it just didn't work and that was the best way and it it you get the emotion from people but then they have a moment where they uncover someone's face who is then not anonymous anymore and it's just amazing like but amazing watch but very 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 difficult like it's quite it can be triggering so i would yeah. warn but very important and like the activists are just wow like wow see that that's a documentary isn't it that's like a story that you would not have access to mm-hmm. without someone going out their way or risking their life it sounds yeah to actually bring that story yeah that's incredible oh Kara hit me in the eye today and honest to god i think i'm blind 
I think I'm going to be one of them people who has like a Wikipedia page like, in 2020, she was blinded by her dog in her right eye. <laughs> That's quite in your personal really life blurry. section. Like, Oh, I can't wait for my personal life section <laughs> on my Wikipedia page. Like, what will it entail? Mine would be I'm so just... dull, I feel oh, like. Oh, yeah, mine would be so bland. Like, they'd struggle. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I've done today is harvest my mint plant. And I Snapchatted oh, about it. Because I was so proud. <laughs> the one thing I don't want is like when you go on someone's Wikipedia page and it says um, the lines. So you have like your categories, don't yeah. you? Like early career, personal life. I just don't want controversy yeah. and legal issues. Because Con- no. once you see that on a Wikipedia page. You know that it's bad when it's like controversy and then it's got like five subheadings as well. And you're like, oh, damn, <laughs> yes. there's, been a, there's been a lot. Because like, um, also the worst part is you, you click do. on it. You do click on it. Oh, you don't go. Oh, oh I, I, you know, I'm just going to read about no. the person. You go straight. The first thing to the I dirt. look for is personal life and con- like controversy, yeah. like instant. And if they've yeah. got either, I'm like, damn, not even a personal life section, like not even a personal life. Or when it's just like one line, like has been married to John Smith since <laughs> 1992. I'm like, really, nothing else. Yeah, nothing else? they're like they they, they support you... this charity, and I'm like, okay. Um, I was devastated. I told her recently because I think on Lauren Conrad's uh, Wikipedia page, it actually says that she's a Republican. Oh, I think you put that in the in the message. Devastated. Devastated. Yeah. <laughs> she she um, hates Ashton, me. Ashton, what have you been watching? Oh man, I, um, this week I've only been watching MasterChef Australia. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm I'm not <laughs> I'm not proud to admit it. Um, but to be honest, hey, if you just proud. want background noise, it is fantastic. There are over 50 episodes per season. I, 50. I just, over 50. It is incredible how keen Australians are for MasterChef <laughs> because <laughs> the format of the competition is unrecognisable to England. It's like, I watched it because I, I was curious and yet yeah, the drama. Yeah. They give up three months of their lives. They are literally pulled out of Too their close. lives and sent to a house where they stay with all the other contestants for three months if you make it to the final. So it's like Big Brother, but... Snap, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Big Brother, but they cook. Uh, it's... <laughs> but they I can't stop cook. watching now because I just don't... Like, literally, when they go, I've given up everything, they literally mean they've given up everything. If we have any wow. Australian listeners, can you please tell us about Australian MasterChef? And... Yeah, please don't make me yeah, do it because I will this? be here for a full podcast episode. What's, what's this about? <laughs> Next week on Not Having It All. <laughs> do you know what? I've been rewatching because um, I know Lauren has as well, but I started rewatching The Office and um, just for something easy to watch. Obviously, I've already seen it before, so I've heard the jokes, but it's nice to revisit it. But what I will say on this rewatch is I am finding Jim and Pam so irritating <laughs> and i don't know what's going on because i love them um when i first watched it and obviously jim and pam they're like one of the most popular tv couples of all time but if i was working in that office i would not be able to put up with that bullshit the no. cutesy cutesy stuff at yeah. the desk and the flirting i couldn't stand it and it's making me really cringe and i don't know what's going on but i'm just starting to really not like them <laughs> Yeah, I have, yeah. I've seen a lot of hate recently for Jim and Pam. And I'm quite sad because when I first watched it, I loved them. But like you say, I'd hate to work yeah. with them. Like, I think. Watching them is yeah. all right. Yeah. Maybe we are all Toby, really. And we do all <laughs> hate. <laughs> I don't want to be Toby. But at the same time, I I relate more and more to Toby as the years go by. 
And I think that as well. <laughs> I think he's I, honestly, and some of the, sometimes Michael Scott really does make me cringe, but that's what he's there for. But the only other thing I have been watching is the morning show, which mm. I know I've been watching it for like seven months. So I just can't get around <laughs> to finishing it. Um, so I've got about three episodes left, but it is. I know I say this every time I eventually watch an episode, um, but it is a great show, and I do like it. Mm. Um, and it's interesting to see Jennifer Anderson in a different role. But yeah, that's what I've been watching. Just Steve Carell mania right now why not that's the best i love steve why not but something we have all watched is disclosure Mm -hmm. which um is a brilliant documentary that was brought to netflix Mm -hmm. last week i think it was was it friday was it the week before can't quite remember um but yes um when this documentary was first when it the trailers first come out i was really really excited because for me i've not really gone into transgender representation or looked into our identities and it's lazy on my part because yes there's not a lot of representation out there but it, ca- it there is it there is it there where's my english going <laughs> it is there if you look for it and seek it mm-hmm. and i think since watching this documentary has definitely given me the bug to really go out there and watch everything i possibly can and understand it and, and appreciate it a lot more um obviously we've all watched it but one thing i want to ask you guys before we get started is what was the first representation of transgender that you saw in a film or TV show? And I want you to go like right back to your childhood. Like, what was the first thing you remember? Um, oh, I, sh- I should have asked you. I'll talk about mine first. Yeah, I've just thrown you, you go off. for it. Yeah. I think the first representation I saw was Chandler's dad in Friends. Okay. And... So obviously in Friends, Charlotte's dad, um, they don't say the word transgender, but essentially Charlotte's dad leaves his marriage because he is gay, um, but then it goes to Vegas, um, and when we do see Charlotte's dad, he is a woman, mm-hmm. and but they never delve into it, so you don't know whether that he is dressed in drag or she is a woman now, so they don't really delve into it, but that was the only representation I saw, and obviously it was a massive running joke. There were jokes yeah. about how Chandler's dad was a woman. There were jokes about how Chandler's dad looked better than Chandler's mum. There were jokes about, you know, having you got a little bit too much penis to be wearing that dress. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a literal line from the show. That was the first thing I saw, really. So for me, as we saw in the documentary Disclosure, trans transgender representation, it was a joke. It was the butt of a joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what about you guys? Do you guys remember your first kind of what yeah. you saw first? Yeah, no, I think it wasn't, it's not necessarily even like transgender representation because like you said, it was a joke, but I, growing up, I used to watch Mrs. Doubtfire all the time. Mm. Um, and oh, yeah. it's, it's not at all the same. Like you wouldn't say it was transgender representation, but again, you've got that idea of um, trans people being... It's comedy. Yeah, comedy and that sort of, like, dressing up as to get something, like, the deviousness mm-hmm. and the sort of, like, let's make a joke of it. That was probably the first time I... And I used to find it funny as a kid, like, when I was four or five or however old I was. I was like, ah, oh, this is funny. Yeah. 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 I think mine might be... See, I was thinking, because obviously it's not um, transgender rep, but, like, you say Mrs. Doubtfire. I remember that mm. being, like, I loved that film. Uh, I feel like it was it was always on at Christmas and bank holidays and it'd just be like a classic one to throw on that yeah. it's like oh it's a family film everyone can watch it and then when you look back you're like oh damn like I think mine was probably that or like I've just been literally googling because I was like I can't remember and honestly I yeah. think mine was quite late like I think 
I would say that, like Mrs. Doubtfire, or I'd even say um, potentially um, genuinely Orange is the New Black. Like, I watched that when I was mm, 19, yeah. and I think that mm. actually thinking of when I first watched something with a transgender character was probably yeah. Orange is the New Black. And then I think I watched quite a lot that year, like Orphan Black I watched, um, mm. which had a very brief transgender character. Um, and then, yeah, I actually think it might be Orange is the New Black. Oh, actually, I've just remembered Coronation Street. How interesting. Coronation Street, a transgender he, Well, it wasn't... The character wasn't played by a transgender actor. It was right. Hayley Cropper. Do you remember? Like, Roy Cropper's wife. She... They did this whole oh, reveal. Oh, my gosh. Yes. That, like, yes. she was transgender. She's transgender. Um, And I don't even remember if I watched the storyline or, like, I just... My mum mentioned it, and the TV was like, on. I can't remember, it, but I knew you? Yeah. about it. But I don't. It was like know, a well-known thing. I cannot remember how that, like, came about that storyline. But I just, I just remembered now that that was a storyline on the TV show. Um, yeah, there we go. A soap. I didn't. I completely forgot about that. And again, like that was treated a bit like a joke, and people would make jokes at the expense. But it was something that was mentioned, mm. but never really explored. But yeah. you just kind of accepted it. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, like, you too. just accepted. Oh yeah, Haley Cropper. She's she was a man, and she is now a woman. She's transgender. Mm. It's um, oh god, yeah, how? Uh, Ashton, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I was quite late as well. I think. But because um, I don't really remember seeing Mrs. Doubtfire when I was younger, I probably did, but I didn't recognise it. I think on my level, I saw it as cross-dressing because mm. that is different. Yes. Yeah. Um, the first sort of trans representation I think I saw was Cold Case, which was actually in Disclosure. Yeah, and they had a character who was trans um, and was also an immigrant, which was quite interesting. So, but again, they were the murder victim. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Um I and I can't remember enough of the episode whether you know who the killer was whether they were killed for being trans. Um but I get I remember the reveal being at, treated like an act of betrayal and mm-hmm. yeah. the trans character was left alone as a result. So that definitely was par for the course. Mm. Um mm. yeah, I think that was the first sort of representation I was aware of being a trans character. Yeah. But that was probably, yeah. I mean, I was young to be watching crime shows, but I still think I was <laughs> old enough to have known trans people should, you know, exist. Yeah. 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 I mean, growing up, I think for me, I never knew about the the journey of um, sexual realignment. Um, I never knew that, that that was a possibility. I knew that there were men that dressed as women. I didn't know much about women dressing as men. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just being a child. Um, that's all I really knew about. I knew more about the men becoming women part than I did about anything else. But I didn't. I just thought it was cross dressing, and it wasn't. I, and I'm being honest. Here, I don't think it was until my late teens that I started yeah. to know more about it. Um, and I mean, where I am now, so I'm 28 now. I know two transgender people who have both transitioned. No, sorry, that's wrong. One is um, a man, and one is a woman. And both of those experiences, I met with complete acceptance because for mm-hmm. me, I just thought, yeah, okay, great. You're still mm-hmm. who you are, but you're obviously who you really are. Um, 
But they said in the documentary that 80% of Americans don't know anyone who is transgender. Yeah. Also, I can't remember who was saying that, but they also said that trans people often don't know another person who is transgender. Mm. Yes, which is obviously very hard. Like, we see a lot about, like, with the gay community, for example. I mean, I know a big part of Tumblr for many young people was the ability to finally be around other people that were gay, other Mm. people that were in the closet, other people that were coming out, other people that were just coming to terms with their sexuality. To have that kind of community, and it's it's very sad and disheartening that there may not be that equal amount of opportunity there for um, young transgender teens who are just working things out and wanting to find a place where they can safely be themselves and also Um, out sorry to like jump on this um no um, go ahead but i think like there's such a um like for i i I, this is i i clearly can't speak right now um let me get it out (laughs) i'm like there um i was gonna say that a lot of lgbtq spaces can be difficult they can be quite cl- i've personally as a bisexual woman have found it difficult in some lgbtq spaces so for transgender people i know that it can be really difficult because yeah. a lot of gay people aren't as accepting and can actually be as unaccepting and oh, ignorant yeah. as straight people and i think that's the thing that people don't realize is that just because someone is gay it doesn't mean they aren't transphobic or they aren't accepting yeah. so i think like yes. it's even harder to find a you know i think people see lgbtq community and think that everybody just gets along like a house on fire and mm-hmm. it, we don't like and not because oh you don't really like their personality it's like there's actual problems within the community and a massive problem with trans people not being accepted yeah. um yeah, yeah that was no i like how they talked about that on um like in the documentary when they were talking about how assimilation is so important to certain pe- like certain mm. groups of people that that's where that fri- a lot of that friction lies like i didn't know that i didn't yeah. oh, i just learned so much we'll get into it <laughs> we we experienced this ourselves this year because obviously we put together a, a film festival this year women x and when we were set up the film festival we said we want this to be for women filmmakers women identifying filmmakers mm. and non-binary filmmakers mm-hmm. and there was no question on that that was how we were yeah. always because for me i regard trans women as women yeah. always have always will mm-hmm. um and so that was it we put it, we put it out there we made our promos we told people that this is a festival we're doing and this was the, and I'm being completely honest again, this was the first ever time in my life that I've come across a turf. Mm. So it was on a Facebook page and mm-hmm. we put a post out explaining what we were doing and someone completely attacked us and said that we were being anti-feminist by including men in our festival. Oh. And I, being little in being little oblivious Caris Rianne, spoke to the team and was like, I don't understand because we're not including men in our festival. So what are they talking about? Mm. And you, you guys said to me, they're being trans-exclusionary. But, and I was so confused. Mm-hmm. I was like, but how? Because we're not including men. There's no men in our festival. <laughs> yeah, it's... Oh, man. Yeah. And I hate mm. that... We like, won't get into that too much right now yeah. because that's a whole other episode. <laughs> yeah. But it was just to, just to state out that, again, I, I can't... If your feminism isn't into, I just can't. You, well, you know, you're not a feminist if you don't. Talk, yeah, you can't get into that right now. Be intersectional feminist, guys. Like, what? I, I don't understand. There's more effort going into excluding trans people out of feminism exactly. than there is yes. to include. Like, I don't know what's. Yeah, just yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was just so confused. 
But anyway, if you are listening to this, all trans women are welcome at Women X and all TERFs are not. Mm-hmm. Yes. Including JK Rowling. Yeah. Just, um, <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about disclosure. So the start of the documentary really goes into the very early representations of transgender roles within the film and TV industry. Mm-hmm. And what we see in the very early days is mockery we see blackface we see cross-dressing we see mimicking we see people making fun of things we see people you know it's like what Neha said earlier this deviousness to it where they're going to trick people Mm. and you've got the film where there's an Asian character who is a spy and he's tricking the male character into it it's very negative Mm. and it's very disheartening because they're playing the bad guys and when they're not playing the bad guys, they're dying. Yeah. And when they're not dying, they're getting AIDS. And when they're not getting AIDS, they're sex workers who don't deserve any rights anyway because they don't. people don't like sex workers in the early days of the film industry. Mm-hmm. So you see this massive amount of media just just educating us about how awful it was. And even though you look back and, I mean, they talk about Birth of a Nation. Obviously, we can talk about that film all day long. Um, the representation is so awful Mm -hmm. and for me i was watching thinking oh god this is this is dreadful this is dreadful and then they brought the l word on i thought oh yes the l word i I didn't finish watching the l word but they must have had you know some good representation of the l word Mm no and that was really painful because that was basically i mean again i don't know a lot about it but the documentary set it up to make it sound like that was the only mainstream representation of trans men Mm. and again if i'm wrong call me out on it but if that's the only mainstream representation that is so toxic and yeah. incorrect and it is and again like that's the problem you you're taking that out to the mainstream you're telling everyone that if your friend comes up to you tells you they're starting testosterone you you need to be scared of them and you need to tell them no and then you basically need to walk away from them because they're not being a woman like that whole that character i mean i haven't watched her work but that character who was having that monologue about being a woman is sacred i was crawling out of my skin honestly i felt like jk rowling wrote that monologue (laughs) (laughs) legit honestly she's copied and pasted that from yeah yeah that was the i've i've also never watched the l word um and i think that just i thought it was really interesting actually um, someone said in the documentary it was showing trans men through a lesbian lens mm. and I was like yes. yes like it's not people think oh it's a, it's a queer show it's fine they can show any queer representation in this no because the L word basically showed lesbians um, again I've not watched it call me out but what I mean is it is showing it was showing a trans male representation through a lesbian lens and it wasn't giving a, a nuanced story and it was just so stereotyped and, and awful I mm-hmm. never realised that yeah the, those scenes when they showed them in the documentary I was I was quite shocked I, I mean I've heard stuff about the L word not being great like people mm-hmm. live off it still and they're like the L word was like my moment of realising I was queer which is great and you know valid and you, things can be problematic and you can still kind of like Glee is like I feel like my age group because I'm 25 everyone I knew as a teen yeah. uh, apart from myself but everyone else I knew <laughs> realised they were queer by watching Glee and mm. but obviously Glee is heavily problematic um, mm. especially currently um, with all the mm. cast 
and whatnot. But I was really surprised that they didn't include Glee in Disclosure. But I think um, like they to did friends, briefly. I it was a rights issue. They showed. Um, did they? I can't remember. I'm pretty sure. Was it um, Alex Newell? Uh, the scene where they were deciding whether or not to go into the toilet. Um, yes. Sorry, they did. Yeah. yeah I mean, I only recognise because obviously that I presume I'm using the right time in saying they. Um, they most recently were in Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist and they, they really focused on that as well in terms of sort of gender. So, they, yeah, but again, I think Glee was avoided because it is problematic. I feel like there were too many problems to touch on in Glee. But then they showed Nip Tuck by Ryan Murphy and I think that was yeah. more problematic than... Not yeah, that there should be sure. a scale of like... Of no, but maybe, because, but like, yeah. maybe because like, <laughs> Glee's, a yeah. lot of Glee's problems were behind the scenes that perhaps... Trans mm. issues didn't there even was, get touched on in Glee. Yeah. That they were like, it's not. There was a trans storyline. Right, okay. There was a trans storyline. So obviously, Alex Newell played a character that um, they never. She identified in the show as a woman, mm-hmm. and um, she obviously she dressed as a woman, and they t- talked about it in the sense that I think at one point they gave the character an ultimatum that they would have to dress as a boy or they would not be allowed in the school. Um, I couldn't quite remember the full storyline because, to be honest, it was like season five and it was very bad. Um, but they didn't do it amazingly well, which was which was a shame. But what they did do is they had the character of Coach Beast. Now, if you watch Glee, yes. Coach Beast is a very oh, I don't know how to describe this. She's she's a l- large woman. She is a woman. She's um, feminine. Mm. She is obviously very athletic so she's got that stereotype people make fun of her for being very masculine very uh, butchers people may say and the, the whole point of her character during the early seasons was that she was combating that stereotype of being a butch woman that mm-hmm. she was a woman she got married she was very feminine she was into men and then in the sixth final season they wiped away all of that character building and just she became a transgender man and it became very problematic because as i said they made all that big um storyline throughout the show about how we you know glee was a lot about breaking down stereotypes and that was a stereotype they broke down and then they kind of just threw in this storyline as if they were like ticking a box on oh exclusivity who should we talk about this week let's do transgender Mm. representation right so that's where that come in. But it's interesting, interesting you say about Nick Tuck. So I didn't watch Nick Tuck when I was younger because my mum told me it was very rude and I wasn't allowed. And um, <laughs> but I knew a little bit about it. So obviously it shows, and something that Disclosure really worked on very well, is how trans women can be used by men for sexual desire, mm-hmm. as we've seen in other shows like Dirty Sexy Money, but also the anger and violence towards them from men is so high in TV shows and films. And we see that within Nip Tuck. And honestly, it was really disgusting and unsettling, yeah. the representation in Nip Tuck. And obviously, it being a Ryan Murphy show, when you look mm. at his roster of other shows, there's not really any great trans representation within there. So maybe it is a problem with yeah. Ryan Murphy. I was going to say, just as a side note, I mean, like, I haven't watched a lot of his stuff. Just, I don't know why, just hasn't really sort of appealed to me. But it is interesting, yeah. his name and his projects cropped up a lot and i don't know if that's because there was so much representation or there's so much bad representation they did show pose which is the newer show by ryan murphy and they did because it was it laverne cox who said um that shows that maybe people can progress and improve Mm. you know as people which is a great 
um, thing because I, I, I mean, again, I've not watched Pose, and obviously, I'm not, mm. I'm not transgender, so I can't speak on a level of like, oh yeah, this is great representation because it's, you know, I can't really say that, but. Um, I've heard great things about Pose and in that documentary yeah. they seem to say that Pose was brilliant. Um, I mean, I, I, again, I haven't watched it but I would point out that yeah, when I was researching this there is a transgender woman who had a lot of creative control. Okay. And I don't yeah. know if, I don't know if she had Locke, more yeah. or less than Ryan Murphy but that would be interesting in terms of how much less yeah. influence he had compared to his earlier projects. Yeah, yeah and Again, I don't know. I'll research myself i definitely um, think I a lot do of these things. Shows, but um, yeah it was interesting that uh the woman is janet mock she mm-hmm. had a lot more control over pose and i wonder if we're seeing her more than we're seeing ryan murphy mm. but it's good that he's i suppose like improved to the point where he's actually choosing to tell you know use his platform to tell these stories of um yeah and get the right people in and, to tell and, them. Yeah, and not just say it like, oh, we'll yeah. do this. Because the Nip Tuck portrayal was horrific. When I was watching, yeah. again, that scene, I've not seen Nip Tuck either, but that scene was horrifying. Like, it was a hard... Yeah. And seeing um, the people in the documentary talk about how uncomfortable it made mm. them feel, I, I just... I just can't imagine... Like, I can't mm. remember what it was in regards to or who said it, but someone said... I don't think anyone is making these docu- these doc- documentaries, these um, TV shows and films with regards to thinking, oh, how will transgender people feel when they see this? Yes. They're just yeah. like, oh, we're just going to do it. They're not thinking about how it actually is. They're just thinking, oh, what a great, what a great twist. It's always a twist, which is yeah. never good. It shouldn't be a twist. Yeah. Like it's not, yeah. transgender people don't live their lives to be a plot twist. That's not, they're not a plot twist. Like that's just... It's lazy. At, at best, it's lazy. At worst, it's just downright insulting, offensive. Offensive. Yeah, yeah. everything. I mean, like you, like, you, like you said, like Pose came up as one big positive because mm. not only was it about the representation of transgender, it was also the fact that they've actually hired transgender mm. actors yeah. to finally be in this. I mean, we've just spoke about there about Nick Tuck and we spoke about the L word. Both of those characters were played by women. Um so they don't have that background they don't have that i mean i know actors are actors they can tap into things but also it's the representation of being able to look up to your heroes which yeah. we'll touch on a bit more yeah. when we get to laverne cox and orange is the new black one person that i really admired um as a teen um was candace kane and i first saw her in that csi episode that they showed within the documentary and it was so sad to watch her talk about it and how they the way they spoke about her and the way they mm. just, just talked about her body and the way that she just laid there and she just felt so upset and sad. And again, it was a representation of a sex worker. It was a representation of, of violence against a transgender person. It was it was awful. But I loved her and I thought she was so pretty. So I went on Google that night. This is back in whatever year it was. <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, she's transgender. And it fascinated me it absolutely fascinated me and then I started watching Dirty Sexy Money because of Candace Kane I just absolutely loved her I just thought she was so fascinating and interesting um and in Dirty Sexy Money um she obviously she plays transgender woman again and she has this kind of love affair so again it's not straightforward it's not out in the open it's a bit of a shameful secret but what I never knew which obviously they're showing the documentary is that they lowered her voice on the first episode mm, yeah yeah, I, yeah just i can i couldn't get over that because 
I didn't actually know Candace Kane was trans at all until I saw this because I haven't seen any of these shows. Literally, this is going to sound so trash of me, but the only time I've ever seen her is in RuPaul's Drag Race. And okay. she's not okay. there. But again, like they introduce her as a choreographer. They introduce her as a judge. They never, ever reference her as trans um, because she's there on the merit of her skills. Yeah. And I and so, yeah, she showed up in this documentary and I was like, oh, my God, I never knew. And yet again, I didn't know she was an actress either. So and it was crazy to me that they made that effort to make her more masculine and undo all the work she's done in being a woman. It's to just, reduce her to that just was so crazy to me. It makes me angry because it's like someone's thought of that. Someone's thought like they filmed that scene, they've gone to edit and they've been like, oh, I know, let's lower, let's lower her voice. Yeah. She's not um, masculine enough. Because like, then the it can like... Comedy effect again. That, is, that is the like, sentence They want said. to sign to the audience like, oh, by the way, like this is a transgender character. Or It's just... Yeah. You don't... I, I, yeah, I, I, it makes me mad. Mm-hmm. I think also like the CSI thing what really kind of freaked me out about that thinking back on it is the fact that they lift her skirt and you wouldn't even and like not to get super technical they, and they don't, they dark have, like, the pen you wouldn't, and, like, yeah, lift you it wouldn't up, do like... that to a corpse I'm sorry but in a professional setting not that I know CSI is not the epitome of realness <laughs> but you yeah. wouldn't you wouldn't do that to a corpse you wouldn't disrespect a body you wouldn't disrespect a living or dead person like that why in why in everything would you do that mm, on a TV I, show and set that precedent? Because again, we're talking about the fact that the whole message of this documentary is what you're seeing in the media is influencing real life and real people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why even put that into someone's subconscious? Well, I guess that comes back down to, I think it may have been Candice who said it on um, in the documentary that trans women like cisgendered women are so much more a commodifiable asset. Like everything yeah. is, it comes down to that. Like, it's always about what the, mm-hmm. or like, anatomy in general. Um, especially when you kind of, not when you put that sort of head-to-head with trans men or trans masculine representation. Um, which I thought was really interesting, because, yeah, it is, a, it is that commodity thing, isn't it? Let's talk about Boys Don't Cry. So, this is a, a biography, um, and it was a dramatisation of a real-life story of Brandon Tina, um, a trans man. And when I first watched this was the first film I watched that had a transgender character within it obviously played by Hilary Swank who's a cis woman um this did really well in the film industry obviously it was nominated for the Oscars um the casting obviously has gained criticism over the years um but it has been kind of regarded as an introductory text when it comes to understanding transgender identities. I know a lot of people, a lot of friends that I know who watched the film and understood from that film. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that they do mention within the documentary is the whitewashing within the story. Yeah. Which I was uh. never aware of. So obviously mm-hmm. Boys Don't Cry, for me, I, I do love the film. Obviously it's very very graphic it is has an awful rape scene within it mm-hmm. um and there's whitewashings they've completely erased a friend that off brandon's that was a big integral part of the story and it just kind of throws you back again to you have this way of hollywood including this kind of minority or this story that we don't see much of and then thinking well we can't have too much of that so let's just get rid of that one it was really shocking for me to find that out yeah mm. it's almost like 
I don't know whether it's a lack of understanding or a lack of sort of wanting to put in the work to make such representation more like mm-hmm. more prevalent but like Tick Milan said like where is that intersection because he himself when he was talking about it says that mm-hmm. he sits within that intersection of both being um a trans man and being black but here we have only you know like half of his um identity being portrayed portrayed or at least half of it half of his identity being like yeah the only thing one person can focus on or one or we can focus on at a time like where does that leave the other half of his identity so yeah because he said as well he was like well as a like a black um trans man i believe he says something like that and he's like where do i stand yeah like where if if i can only be sure if you're either trans or you're black then what happens if you're trans and black like do you just not exist in the world of media which it seems to be like it is true. It's like, oh, we can't have, like... I had no idea about Boys Don't Cry until I watched Disclosure for the first time. I didn't mm-hmm. know there was a documentary either about the story. Um, no. So I would be intrigued to go and watch the documentary, actually. Um, but that's... And also, didn't they say that the friend... Uh, forgive me, I can't remember his name. Um, he no, also... I didn't write it down either, He sorry. was also killed, right? Alongside yeah, Brown. So, yeah, like, this was. is literally a part... They're, like, telling this part of of a real story mm. and just leaving out a whole section. Yeah. That's it, it's, a it's, whole person's life. Yeah. And yeah. it's, like... It's not like, oh, I've made a fictional story and we've changed it a bit. It's, like, like you've adapted it from a fictional book. It's, like, no, this is a real life. Like, this is someone's real life and you've decided to just cut someone out. Like, mm. it's just... Mm. I don't understand it. Yeah, I mean, you disrespect their memory and mm-hmm. they were an ally... Mm-hmm. You know, he was a a black ally to a trans man. And like Neha, you're saying, that is a huge integral representation that is needed. And to just sit there, read through that story, decide to make it a film and deliberately cut out their memory and what they mm. stand for. It's it's so damaging and yeah. it is really irresponsible, like you're saying, because we, we didn't know that and no one seems to know that until the documentary filmmakers decided to put that in. Again, they could have done. They could have chosen not to put that in either, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. because clearly yeah. it's so easy to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, when when it comes to black trans um, black trans people, there is not a lot of. I feel like the representation has increased over the past few years, but it's only through a selection of maybe two or three shows. It's not like. Yeah. And yeah. those two, three shows have all the characters. It's not like a lot of these shows suddenly have these characters in them. I mean, Paris is Burning is a documentary by Jenny Livingston, which is about the African-American and Latino people of various gender identities mm-hmm. and sexualities who competed in the New York Bulls. So obviously that inspired a lot of Ryan Murphy's pose that we hear about, mm-hmm. which is great because we have that level of history in a new mainstream media mm-hmm. by a very i mean you can say what you want about ryan murphy but he has that gravitas to get an audience you hear yeah. there's a new ryan murphy show i mean yeah. i sat there and watched that shit hollywood <laughs> <laughs> he's got away pulling you in he's got away pulling you in guys but this this documentary which unfortunately is just not streaming anywhere um i think it's part of the criterion collection so it's you have to buy the dvd if you can it find it it sucks because it um, used to be on netflix i don't understand yeah. why they took it down yes i know i, I feel know like they must have there. swapped it for the queen and just assumed one <laughs> yeah like one 60s to 80s drag documentary exactly. is the same one for is another. fine 
Ugh. Most of them aren't because even like the Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, that's not available anywhere either. So oh, that used to be on Prime. Ongoing. Oh, that's annoying. Yep, it's gone. Ongoing problem. Um, but yeah, I mean, this looked at the communities formed by these contestants mm. in a safe space, and that's what we spoke about with having Tumblr for the young mm. young gay community. It was interesting. I mean, I didn't know anything about the ballroom scene. I mean, I haven't watched Pose yet. It's been on my list for ever yeah has been bullying me ever since he came out um but what was interesting about this documentary is that it involves speaking openly about facing racism Mm -hmm. as well as transphobia as well as homophobia as Mm. well as poverty the aids crisis Mm -hmm. the changes that we started to see in fighting for gay rights and equal rights these came from that community they were the bread and butter that we are built on today when we wear these rainbow colored dresses from boohoo or pretty little thing yeah this is what it was built on yeah this, you know, mm-hmm. all you see all them bloody girls you went to high school with who were calling you a lesbian in the PE changing rooms now wearing bloody rainbow flags on their face because they won a night out in yeah. Manchester. This is where it was built from. Yeah. I mean, during this show, sorry, during the making of the documentary, one of the performers was actually murdered. Yeah. Um, Venus yeah. Extravaganza. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, it paints such a vivid and realistic and raw picture of that community. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we need... I mean, obviously, these documentaries are out there, but they're not in an accessible format. I mean, these are the shows that should be on Netflix. These are mm-hmm. the shows that should be on Prime. Yeah. Or just being shown in independent cinemas. I mean, they probably are. I do apologise. I'm just kind of paraphrasing here. but No, it's true. We, it's true. There, there, there is an argument that, obviously, there's a lot of education out there. There's a lot of media out there. But unless you go out there and source it, we need we need to make this more available. Like mm. disclosure is a documentary that I will sit my children down and be like, "You are watching mm-hmm. this," yeah. I, and they will be like, "Mum, we're three. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know I totally agree. I mean, like I think also you need to consider places like the BBC and Channel Four because people aren't Netflix; they kind of can choose to ignore these things. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know, if it's on TV. And it's very mainstream. Everyone gets, you know, sort of the main three channels. It needs to be on those ones as well because I think, mm. you know, I, you know, it, there needs to be no excuse for people to be like, oh, I can't afford a Netflix subscription. Oh, I, I don't have the time. You know, like it needs yeah. to be on those kind of things where you can be like, you know what, the, you know, the state is force is encouraging you to watch mm-hmm. these things. Um, yeah, no, I was just going to say, I completely agree with you because I the only reason I've seen Paris is Burning is because it formed a part of my university course. Like, it was one of the documentaries that we watched. So, mm-hmm. again, it's that sort of documentary that I think should and rightfully does exist within academia but also has to be accessible because it wasn't... I know I talked about Miss Doubtfire in the beginning, but it wasn't until I was 18 did I really start to understand and reckon with the struggles that the transgender community have mm-hmm. and that was through this documentary mm-hmm. as much as obviously the, they talk about it in disclosure but the documentary itself there are some pitfalls and you know definitely points where we can criticize it but mm-hmm. the idea of like ballroom culture and i had no idea that um, madonna's mm-hmm. vogue song was in, almost entirely appropriated from ballroom culture in the 1980s until i watched and i was like oh wow but yeah, yeah. it is Oh, it's so good. We need it yeah. in the mainstream. And I think that's a good, important point. Like, they bring up, like, so many of the people in the documentary say, like, Paris is Burning was, like, amazing to watch, to see yourself on screen and to see... Mm. And it's real. It's a documentary. Yeah. Like, you see these real people living their lives. And 
it was amazing but obviously there was the problem of the director was not from the community and it was a bit of a and like people were like screwed over in the community yeah. and were not you know so there is a massive problem on the making of it um yeah but like it still did a lot of good not that that negates the um problems with it but i think also i i agree with what you're saying ashton about showing mainstream because it is true like netflix people just choose not to watch it and the algorithm on netflix it does like i get i get recommended yeah. queer stuff all the time because i watch hella queer stuff but like yeah. for people who don't like you go on like yeah. someone i go on a friend's netflix and i'm like what the hell are these shows that i've never seen because they <laughs> they watch completely different and they go on yeah. my netflix and they're like what on earth i didn't know this film had come on and i'm like what like it's so netflix's algorithm is wild anyway but mm. i think that i so this is again slightly on a tangent but also it does relate um, a few years ago when i i started a master's and then i quit but that's by the by um we had someone come in from america who was observing and analyzing a british um soap operas mm-hmm. and they were saying about how they were talking about gay representation in british soap operas and saying how soaps although sneered at by filmmakers and people who work on tv shows they are actually one of the most important places to put social issues because soaps are watched by so many people they Mm -hmm. are watched Mm -hmm. like like regularly people are committed to a soap they will watch it for life you've got 60 year olds watching soaps. you've got 90 year olds watching soaps yeah you also have 18 year olds watching soaps and i think like we should also have these stories it's fine to put them in like they should be everywhere i think that's the main thing here like we we shouldn't just have them in like um an artsy art house mm. format and we shouldn't just be showing them at university we should have yeah. them in the forefront where like your parents can watch it and yeah. and like where you're not like hey watch this please because i want you to learn about this <laughs> thing like they should yeah. it that. should be shown and i think soaps is a vehicle for social change Soaps is a vehicle for social like, change. I couldn't Let's agree get it going. more, though. Yeah. I mean, I don't watch them, but my friend does with her mum. And yeah. she said that um, they had a storyline, I think it was an LGBT plus one, I can't remember what it was. But she said she was sitting there with her mum, and she was like, it was a bit awkward, but it did prompt a conversation between them. Because, mm. you yeah, know, they were showing... Sophie and Sean, was it, in Coronation no, it Street? Because <laughs> I feel like so many of my friends mm-hmm. and my own mother started <laughs> rethinking their feelings towards gay girls because oh. of that storyline. I see. I don't know what storyline it was. I've completely forgotten because, like I said, I don't keep up with it. So they were just yeah. names in my head. But it was really interesting because they were literally doing exactly what you're saying, Sophie. Like, mm-hmm. it's in the mainstream. Everyone's watching it. It's intergenerational. And it was prompting conversations. So it's You've like, got families who watch it all together. Like, put it yeah. in the... Like, I've definitely had conversations where I've been sat downstairs while a soap's on and my mum watches it about sexuality. Yeah. Where I've been... Like, I remember, yeah. I think in Emmerdale, like a while ago they mentioned bisexual and i was just sat on my laptop and i was like did someone say bisexual on the tv i snapped my head up and i was like yeah rewind I, I need to know and i was like shocked and but i think it is important because this can be the first time that some people are hearing it or some people are mm-hmm. you know seeing mm. these issues played out in you know and it might not be the best representation i I was gonna say it comes with the caveat of putting 
the correct representation of yeah it. but i think what someone said i sorry sorry i don't i wrote down all these quotes and i didn't write down who said them in sorry, the documentary but then you just have to watch okay. disclosure to find out who said it that's it's guess who said the quote right now so um <laughs> i think someone said something it was to do with the l word and they said um if we have more representation that like we need more representation because then the odd clumsy representation yeah. that's well intended but is yeah. clumsy is not all that there is so you've not just got a bit like oh that's a bit iffy like obviously if it's really problematic then it's like oh god that's horrific but you know you can have the odd clumsy rep because there's a good representation elsewhere but currently we just have like you know slim pickings and if it's all bad then it's really difficult um Mm. yeah Hey guys, that's end of part one. You'll be able to hear more on disclosure and the representation of transgender within the film and TV industry in part two, which will be out in a couple of days. Thank you for listening.